All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice.
Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing. My name is David Quadrelli, and this is our final episode of Keeping Up With The Media. Chris and I have been separated this week with the podcast. We've been doing media episodes, so keeping up with everybody in the Vancouver media that we could get our hands on. So we had Thomas Drance on Wednesday, Dan Murphy on Monday, Justin Morissette on Tuesday, Rob Williams on Thursday, and now... It is our final conversation with Patrick Johnson of the province. So before we get to that, just want to remind you guys that yes, we will have our main show on Saturday and there is a tweet out there right now with an ask us anything, tweet us any question you have, we're bored, we're going to answer all your questions. Now, let's get to the interview. Alright guys, very pleased to be joined now by Patrick Johnson of the province. PJ, how you doing man? Good David, how are you my friend? I am doing great. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, I just plugged uh, Novola Gelato on Hastings. I don't know if you've ever been there, but... As people no. people may know, we're the North Burnaby boys, and we uh, yeah we we plug all the North Burnaby businesses out here. Got to do it, got to do it. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, definitely go check that place out if you haven't seen it already. And I'm already starting okay. off the podcast. Chris always tells me no free ads. I'm not supposed to say any business <laughs> names if we're not getting paid by them to do so. <laughs> but sometimes you'll discover they'll send you stuff. Yes. Oh man, if I got if I got some of that tiramisu gelato from them, oh my gosh, game over. <laughs> Anyways, moving away from the gelato here, let's uh, let's jump into some talk here. So you had your two week isolation after you found out yes. um, you found out that the NHL season was going to be suspended. Take me back to yes. Phoenix. There, how did, when did where were you when you found out? And like, was there kind of a feeling around who were you with? And like, when did you guys really know that okay, we're probably not we're not going to see a hockey game tomorrow? Well, it was one of the weirder trips. For sure. I mean, it was, it was a two-gamer. It was supposed to be two-gamer. It was supposed to be Thursday uh, in Glendale and then and then Friday in Denver. Um, and, you know, the way it kind of works, the traveling kind of roadshow of those what's on the media is that, you know, basically there's always someone from the province, whether it's me or Ben Kuzma uh, or sometimes Ed Willis. Uh, one of the three of us will be there. Um, and then there's always Jeff Patterson, I think, as people know. And Jeff has every game on the season. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was going to be me and him. Um, you know, sometimes you get, you get Thomas Trance or Harvin Dale from the Athletic. Um, they don't hit every game on the road, but they, they hit a good number. Uh, and sometimes you have Ian McIntyre from Sportsnet, of course. Um, but, you know, those guys look at a trip like that, and they're kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to gain a whole lot by being on that particular road trip because you kind of do the math. And, you know, I mean, we we really believe. I think Jeff. You know, Jeff obviously does his job, and and us at the newspaper. We really believe in 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 being at the game. There are little bits you can pick up, um, but you know, I, mean, I you know, if you're making choices, you know, you're, you're focusing differently. Partly because I think how we cover the teams is all a bit different. Um, and I think those two guys, you know, the the, the, the sports and guys, the athletic guys, just said, you know, we're really only going to get one morning skate, which would be on a Thursday. Um, you're getting the two post games, which is fine. Um, in the moment, but um, I think for their purposes, they kind of said, "No, I'm not going to gain as much from that uh, as as Jeff and and Patrick or Ben would." Um, anyway, so they they weren't there. So it was just Jeff and me, um, and you know, you, you know, you, you, you're competitive, right? Of course, but you know, there's still it's time away from the you know, there's a lot of time away from the rink. So anyway, Jeff and I essentially traveled together. Um, we were on the same flight uh, to Phoenix, and then um, yeah, so going down on Wednesday. I mean, I'd actually already made the decision that I wasn't going to go to Denver just because, uh, you know, with my wife pregnant, 
and I think it was on the Tuesday before I left, because the game was on Thursday, so I flew down on Wednesday. On the Tuesday before I left, Colorado declared a state of emergency with their uh, COVID-19 situation. Now, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't anything in particular, I think, in their case, other than that allows them to approach uh, essentially funding and, and some sort of emergency measures. Uh, but even so, you know, the, the situation was getting serious there. And I was looking at it from afar saying, I'm not comfortable going there. And I, I talked with my boss, Paul Chapman, and, and he agreed, no, you shouldn't have to go there. Uh, so basically, at that point, we decided we'll make it a one-game trip. I'll go to Arizona. I'll come back. Because at that point, um, and I think even now, Arizona's, I mean, there's a variety of reasons why, and maybe it'll change, but Arizona seems to have been, um, you know, relatively unscathed in the grand scheme of things. And um, anyway, so we said, yeah, let's cover that game uh, and then fly back. And, you know, sort of in the process of everything happening, uh, you know, Wednesday, uh, in fact, I was on air on Sportsnet 650. I do a, a weekly appearance uh, with the with, on the program in the afternoon there. Um, and w- literally, as we were wrapping up my my hit, um, that is when everything came to a halt in uh, in Oklahoma City. That uh, the teams had been pulled off the court, and we didn't know what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And um, Jeff and I actually went out, we went to a ball game, um, I think feeling, you know, comfortable about our ability to, you know, be smart in how we are orienting around people. We hadn't really started quite talking about social distancing that much, but I mean, if you recall, that was the weekend, or the weekend before the NHL had closed off uh, dressing rooms, had started establishing these six feet rules. So we started becoming aware of this idea of six feet but, you know, it was still not the sort of front of mind uh, situation I think obviously we're in now. And, um, I mean, it's crazy to think that that's still less than a month ago, right? I mean, um, it, it was, or, I mean, I guess literally it was about a month ago when we're talking because it was April 8th. So that was, yeah. you know, April 8th, 9th, 10th, in that window that all these things were starting to happen. Um, and,. Yeah, so I mean, we just weren't sure, but anyway, so Jeff and I were at this ball game, and you know, we're, we're you know, I think we didn't, we, you know, we the, the great thing about spring training, I would say, if you ever, you know, in the future when you get a chance to go safely, um, is every stadium has essentially what they call lawn seats. They all have a sort of a, a grassy outfield mm-hmm. uh, area beyond uh, beyond the, the fences where you can, you know, basically sit where you like. You bring a blanket if you want. You sit there and enjoy the game and it, it also obviously lets you wander around the stadium and, and some stadiums are more flexible than others if you wanted to grab a seat you know down one of the one of the baselines you know obviously the closer you get to the home plate the more expensive the seats are and, and the more likely they are to boot you out of those seats if they're not yours but anyway you know so we're just kind of going for a wander walk around and it was a, it was a funny it was Arizona it's raining um, and so sort of off and on this kind of misty rain coming down and Jeff and I got ourselves a couple Dodger dogs and a, a beer and found a place to kind of stand and watch the game. And meanwhile, we're kind of half monitoring Twitter just to see what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, NBA says, nope, that's it. We're we're suspending the rest of the season. And you're like, 
oh boy. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's like the first domino to fall. Chris and I were recording the podcast. He didn't believe me. I said, I was like, the NBA just right. canceled their season. And he like was fact-checking <laughs> me right away. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, important. Did you say caps or postponed? Because they're different words. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, so there we were. And you're sort of going, okay. And then NHL goes, okay, we're going to be, we have to think about this. And immediately you're going, okay, we know what, you know, you know what this means. There might be some factors to consider, but there's no way they're, they're going to carry on. Yeah, no, exactly. They can't do this in isolation. You know, imagine being the only lead carry on. I mean, they were, I think at that point, even, even before that, Jeff, Jeff and I were half convinced that the game, the Arizona game was going to be played with no fans. I think we were, we had kind of come to the conclusion that the NHL was, was on the verge. I mean, the NBA, I think, was on the verge of doing that. Of course, the Sharks had already confirmed. Uh, the Sharks and the Blue Jackets already confirmed that they were going to play with no fans. And I think we just had a feeling that once, you know, those teams were saying that was their plan, that that just would become what essentially everybody was going to do. Because everybody wanted to keep playing. You knew that. There's, you know, there's the value in in of course for the team the financial impacts of losing not just losing home games but losing broadcasts um and then there's also the reality i think that you know i mean look where we are right now we would love to be able to sit down and watch some sports there is a public uh, you know a morale case to be made you know and you look at both world wars you know especially you know baseball obviously was the, was the major sport in World War One, but especially in World War II, um, you know, baseball and hockey were both told, no, keep playing. Like, people need distraction. So I think that was kind of in the back of our mind. I was like, well, you know, no matter what happens, I, mean, I don't think any of us imagined quite where we were going to get because mm-hmm. it's just so wild to think about where we're at, where we have to be careful what we do when we go outside. And um, generally, we're, we're told to stay home and, and, and be conscious of what's going on around you and, you know, try to cope with this, you know, sort of looming, it's like watching this looming mist approach, you know, not knowing what its actual consequences are, how mm. mean you are to it, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I think it was just in the end, we were just kind of sitting there going, oh, this is this is different. This is not what we're expecting. Uh, but you, you can't imagine in the end that, that there just would be no hockey at all. And I think, but I think, you know, by, by the time we woke up Thursday morning, you know, I think it was pretty clear. Like I remember woke up, I had a hard time sleeping. I woke up early and I was up early enough to see literally the announcements coming out from the East coast that morning skates are off. And then you start kind of thinking, okay. And you start talking to a few people and you can see what's coming. And I think, you know, when that announcement rolled out of whatever it was, 1030 Pacific that Thursday morning, I don't think any of us were that surprised uh, that, that the NHL had, had reached the conclusion that it had reached. This was a thing that, you know, I think is, I mean, it's not a major point, but I think people might find interesting. I mean, you know, teams fly on charters, right? Um, But when they, you know, they fly to Arizona, it's not like the plane sits there and waits for them, you know, for two days. Mm -hmm. Like those flights are ferrying teams and and rock bands and other groups around all the time. you know, Can- the Canucks, and, and I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, but it's almost every Canadian team have a contract with Air Canada Jets, which is Air Canada's charter airline. And, you know, I think Air Canada runs, I think it's six planes. Um, and, you know, not every Canadian team's on the road at any given time, but, you know, the, the, 
the um, you know I believe that if I'm not mistaken the senators were 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 in California uh, heading to Chicago and you know there's all these planes that are moving people around um, and so the Canucks flight that had been booked you know that plane was not going to be available until until that evening um, and from their standpoint they wanted to get home as soon as possible and so you know my understanding was that essentially they had to make some calls and find themselves a, a new uh, a new flight that could be arranged for them and they managed to get one that was left that evening at six and so I mean that what that meant was that was that um, you know Jeff and I who you know we fly on our on our own on our own uh, flight you know we, we book commercial flights and, and um, you know, so we had to sort of sit there. So it wasn't like we were going anywhere because we booked our flights on Friday. I mean, there was a window where I possibly could have rebooked for Thursday, but I, in the end, I had to do my job. Like I had to stay and see if there was any chance of getting something from the team. Um, you know, and in, in the end, they weren't. They basically deferred to the NHL. I mean, you know, they 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 were sort of almost as in the dark as we were for a lot of it. You know, the, there was a lot of high level discussion going on, but. Um, you know, they didn't want to, they didn't really want to, you know, trample on, on any message and they didn't have a whole lot of information. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, you, you kind of, you know, I caught up with a couple of them there and, 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 you know, everyone's kind of like, what the heck's going on? And then, so, um, and Jeff was there trying to get some, uh, he was asked to do a little video, some extra video for, for the TSN, for Sports Center and for the TSN website, just some, you know, with some B-roll just to basically shoot players getting on the bus and the, the staff loading the, equipment van and and whatnot and mm-hmm. they were fine with us hanging around but they're you know in the end there wasn't a whole lot for us to do so you know eventually the connects left and jeff and i were like well you know so we went and you know went and got got some dinner and um and then uh you know kind of had to kill some time on on monday because our flight was until originally going to be until midday and then uh, it was delayed for a couple hours. I think in the end, I mean, they they did a deep clean of the plane. And I think you know we kind of all understood the the need for that. Um, you know, part of you, of course, just wants to get home. But so while I'm waiting at the airport, my wife had had a my um, my wife's pregnant. And we have a kid due at the end of the month, and so she was just going to see her her uh, obstetrician just to sort of check up and, and told her about my situation. What should he do? And I think we suspected what the answer was going to be, but it was still pretty uh, intense to hear. Yeah. He shouldn't come home for two weeks. He needs to self-isolate and make sure he's healthy, uh, you know, because of the fact that you're pregnant and you have a two year old. And um, mm-hmm. so that was, you know, I mean, that my wife was able to actually call me and tell me that uh, while I was waiting at the airport. And, um, you know, that's, you know, in you know, any situation, you go away for a couple of days, you're always happy to go home to see your family. It's not a big deal, but you know, it's tough. You know, you want to, you, you want to go home. You want to, you want to hug your wife. You want to hug your kid. And, um, you know, to be told that essentially you could not do that really for me, that's when really started to hit home. And, uh, you know, I, and I was fortunate that my parents, they live in Dunbar and they have a, a basement suite, very, you know, it's got a kitchen and everything, totally self-contained. So I could, you know, I was able to go stay there and, and make myself meals and kind of make weird little bachelor life while, you know, my family was away from me. It was, it was a strange scenario, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, man, like, how long has it been since you lived at your parents' house? <laughs> well, I mean, I was... 
uh, yeah, I mean, it had been, yeah, I mean, I, I did have a stint there in my mid-20s. Um, yeah, I mean, it had been, you know, 15 years, really. I mean, you know, I mean, I go to visit my parents all the time, so it wasn't like it was an unfamiliar space, but, mm-hmm. you know, to basically orient yourself uh, in that way, you know, I mean, I was fortunate because they lived near the woods, and so, you know, of course, Dunbar's not a terribly busy neighborhood, so I was able to get out and go for walks and keep distant from people and be responsible in that regard, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, you know, that's not where you live, you know, it's, it's one thing when you're on the road and I'm traveling around, obviously, you know, in a different city every couple of days and, and you have a glimpse of the new place. And you, you know, I, one of the routines I have built up in my, uh, in my job in the last two seasons was to make sure that I always got out and got out for a walk, uh, you know, put, put the computer, you know, close the computer, put the phone away and just smell, smell the air and just try to see some stuff around maybe because, you know, a lot of these cities obviously have a lot of interesting history and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, so part of it felt a bit like the longest road trip. I mean, it may be a bit like the beginning of the season. You know, we were in, I was in Victoria for training camp, which was sort of a five-day stint because they had that game there as well. And, you know, you kind of set up your little routines. But like I said, at the end of the day, you want to be with your wife and you want to be with your kid. And, um, you know, and the added, you know, variable of my wife being pregnant, I think added, you know, added some, some, some stress. Um and, you know, and then, of course, the just endless uncertainty of the world as things slowly but surely unfolded around us. It was it was a strange moment. I think we've all talked about how strange it is to be in the middle, knowing we're in the middle of history. Like, it's not often that happens. Um, and then to have such a sort of, uh, you know, personalized experience in, in such an unusual, odd, strange way. Uh, I was very conscious of that the whole time. Yeah, totally. So I gotta ask you, man, what was the best thing Chef PJ cooked up when he was when he was living alone? <laughs> uh, I made a meat pie, which unfortunately I made that early on, and I couldn't find a a, a can opener. I had a can of tomatoes, but I couldn't <laughs> find a can opener. And a good meat pie really does need some tomato in it, some like crushed tomatoes, or at least you know like these, you know sort. Of, a little bit of stickiness to them. So that could have been the best thing. But, um, uh, you know, my parents got me groceries a couple times and left it outside the door and I'd bring it in and, and clean it off. And, um, yeah, I had, I had, um, I had steel, I tried a couple times and, uh, you know, just pan fried them and, and, uh, was pretty, pretty proud of what I pulled off there. I think I did some, I, I do, um, I do these roast potatoes that I learned long ago. I used to work at a, uh, 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 <laughs> dive bar doesn't really exist in Vancouver, but the, the closest equivalent maybe we had to one, a uh, place called Lou's, which, you know, if anybody here has ever been there, it doesn't, it's not called Lou's anymore. There's also, there was a Lou's in Abbotsford, but this is the one in Vancouver. Um, we made these amazing potatoes where you basically, uh, you take like nugget potatoes, uh, quarter them, and then, uh, toss them in, uh, mustard, honey, uh, some sort of spices of your choice, salt and pepper, and then uh, and then obviously a little bit of oil, and you toss them all together, and then you just put them in a in a, uh, a you know baking tray or uh, you know whatever you need, and put it in the oven at uh, you know three fifty for you know depending on the quantity, half an hour to an hour, um, half an hour to forty five minutes usually I would say, and yeah, I mean they they come out great and they're great flavor and 
yeah, did those did those a couple times and made a little salad and yeah, I think that was that was a pretty good bachelor meal. I think I did well for myself. Hell yeah, dude! We should start a cooking podcast together. We could compete with uh, <laughs> we could compete with Wyatt and J Pats that lasted one episode. <laughs> well, if anybody's interested, my wife and, and her uh, her friend Brandy have started an Instagram account called Panned Eat It. Uh, so it's basically all the things that they've been cooking uh, so far and I've been cooking now, I guess. And, uh, and then of course, anybody, anybody who tags them, uh, on Instagram, they then share it on their Insta stories. And it's just, it's not necessarily recipes, but it's just pictures of food. And if people, I think it's a way to kind of share around if people are interested in, in seeing how they made it. Uh, that the idea is, yeah, you can go message that person and, and find out more. Okay, well, one dish I have to ask you about, the one you made the other night, it was from the East Van Cookbook, it was like pancakes, oh, and yeah. what was what was the meat inside of it? It was pulled pork pancakes, man, I, I feel like you're missing out on life here. I am, I've never had them, like, okay, so I told you, I replied to you, like, I went to yeah. the Red Wagon once, and I got the yeah. Super Trucker, and that was, that was yeah. all I ate, but... That's not yeah. that's not yeah. what you had and what you no. what you did a photo I mean, of. I was like, my goodness, I gotta try that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Red Wagon makes a, have a great selection of things there, but I think one of the things they are most well known for. I mean, it's an incredibly filling, pretty rich meal in the end of it. But yeah, it's a, a pulled pork pancake. Um, the butter they're they're meant to be buttermilk pancakes, but I never have buttermilk, so I was in a good one to one cup of yogurt, a cup of milk which thickens them up really nicely and helps them rise. And then, uh, yeah, and then, then doing pulled pork. And then, of course, there's a whole, whole bunch of different ways to do pulled pork. But the way I do it, I do it in a slow cooker. Uh, with, um, you know, but the, the recipe in there is great. They've got a great rub. I usually brine it overnight, brine the pork, uh, the pork butt or pork shoulder, whatever you have, overnight. Uh, and then that recipe, and I keep forgetting to do it, but you're, you're meant to take this rub, which has sort of chili, uh, oregano, uh, I'm trying to think of chili, oregano, sage, uh, brown sugar, salt, uh, black pepper. Theoretically, if you have white pepper, I don't know anybody who actually does, but if you have hmm. white pepper, you're supposed to chuck that in too. Hmm. Uh, and then I think some, I usually do chipotle, but you can, you know, do chili flakes or whatever. Nice. And then you're meant to rub it and then actually, again, put it back in the fridge for like eight hours, which I never do. I just cook it straight in the rub. Um, but then, yeah, you get, you're supposed to get like 750 milliliters of beer, which is a really precise amount. Um, but yeah, I get, a, I usually get, depending on the size of the, of the meat, you can usually get away, I find, with a tall can of beer. Hmm. Um, and then of course, think, think carefully about the flavor you really want in there. Um, and I'll usually use some kind of ale, uh, not too heavy, but, uh, you know, a little bit of flavor to it. And then, yeah, put it in the slow cooker, and I usually let it go for on on the low setting for like five or six hours. And of course, your house ends up smelling amazing. And uh, and then at the end of all, you know, you, you basically pull the meat apart, and then you're 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 wise to have some kind of barbecue sauce. Um, I've lately picked up a local barbecue sauce called um, it's called Tiny's, I believe. How do you spell that? And Tiny, like T I N Y apostrophe okay, yeah. S. Hmm. Uh, they have a my little. We've got a little funny little super value around the corner here, and they have it there. Uh, at least they did recently. And uh, but yeah, get yourself some kind of some kind of tangy barbecue barbecue sauce 
whatever you like. And of course, there's obviously different theories on how to do it all, because depending what part of, especially the states, what kind of barbecue you're interested in. Hmm. But uh, yeah, and then you pull yourself a bunch of pork and give it a give it some sauce and and mix it all up. You don't want the the best tip I ever had with with pulled pork was from uh, uh, a good friend of mine. His dad. His dad loves, he's got a smoker, and he loves smoking meat, and he loves just making all kinds of really amazing meals, as my buddy likes to joke. Good thing good thing his dad's always ready to feed a thousand people, huh. um, which is hilarious, which means that anytime you're over, anytime you used to be, used to be over, we obviously don't go very much anymore, but he would be ready to feed us, which was amazing. And uh, But the best tip I ever had from him with, when you're making pulled pork is you do you want to avoid as he calls it what you know the kind of kind of shit mass produced guys places make like if you were going to Subway or whatever that it's just this kind of runny soupy mess you don't want your pulled pork to be overly like moist in terms of the sauce the meat itself needs to be moist you don't want to make it dripping in sauce mm. so you make the sauce in and you mix it all in and you let it kind of combine. And, uh, you know, you got to, the, 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 the key with good pulled pork is, 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 is the preparation and that, you know, the sauce at the end is to add a little bit of kick to the flavor, but the flavor is already there. I mean, when you're cooking a, a meaty, a, a fatty piece of meat like that, you know, the fat is where the flavor town is. So, hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, actually the other thing I forgot to mention when I put that in, when I, when I pour the beer in, I do, I do cheat. I don't have a smoker. But I do use some liquid smoke, and you know, put a couple of drops in there. Nice. I find it, I find it, uh, it all works together and all comes out great. Oh man, well, man, it's so funny that we're talking about this because I, uh, I'm, I'm basically hopeless in the kitchen. If I'm not following a recipe, I literally am like lost. I, I'm a horrible cook, and I went to cooking camp when I was like eight and ten <laughs> years old. Like that was, I really loved cooking. I wanted to be a chef. And now uh, that's kind of faded away. But if I'm following a recipe, I'm like pretty good. I mean, how can you not be? But yeah, I, I yeah, have yeah, like yeah. no well, idea. Like I, if someone's like, oh, just use your judgment. I'm like, I don't have any judgment. Like this is not a good idea. Well, that's practice, Davey. I mean, you know what? The fact that you're following a recipe is, is a good start because I think I think you're right. I think people are a bit intimidated by the kitchen and, you, and you know, the idea of, oh, well, just use your instincts. It's like, you know what? How do you get your instincts? You got to learn. You got to fail. You got to try. Um, you know, I've been making that pulled pork long enough now that I, I could probably do it off the back of my head, you know, off the back of my, you know, off the top of my head, but I still get the recipe out and make sure I'm doing everything right and remembering the steps and, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I think, I think that, I mean, it is one of the good things. I mean, people joke about the quarantine 15. I don't, you know, I don't think that's such a bad thing because that means people are actually making an effort, partly because I think, I think, you know, re, you know, responsibly, you can't just pick up and go out to the store and, pick up junk food like you actually have to think about what you have and what's available mm -hmm. you know i mean it, it's everything too like you know when i was when i was your age <laughs> you know I, <laughs> I was i was living at ubc right like i was a student but i was playing rugby i did have to think somewhat about i mean you know you're kind of all flying in the dark but you still did think somewhat about nutrition you know you needed you knew you needed a neat, neat balanced meal um you know make sure you had some good you know good you know, starches and and you understood the importance of a protein for your muscles and recovery and thinking about carbs and when you're eating various things and trying to be be good that way. And I think that was, you know, it, you get it when you talk to hockey players. Like I remember last year when I was we were very early on getting to know 
getting to know Elias Pettersson. I remember I sat down and did a little profile story on him and, um, you know, asked him the standard question, what's your favorite thing? You know, do you, you know, do you, what do you eat? What do you cook? And he says, well, I don't know how to cook very much, but I know how to cook chicken and rice, which is kind of a standard Swedish hockey player. I mean, I think a lot of hockey players need it, but, you know, stereotypically, if it's, it's a hockey player, and it's easy to cook. Like, chicken's easy to cook. You learn pretty quickly how to, how to bake, how to bake a, bake a chicken breast, how to season it. It's pretty, you know, pretty straightforward. Um, rice is a bit tricky, but rice is one of those ones that you can master pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's just, keep it simple. I mean, I always think about, um, you know, they hate each other, but both, if you ever watch a cooking show with either Jamie Oliver or Gordon Ramsay, they both highlight how important it is just to keep things simple. Don't overthink it. Just do it, do it simply and do it, which gives you a chance to do it really well. Hmm. You know, uh, just understand and, you know, you know, read up a little bit and understand a little bit ahead of time what you're working with. If you do a nice cut of steak, like think carefully about what the best way to cook that cut is like not every cut needs to just be thrown on the grill at you know the highest temperature um you know if 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 you have um a tougher piece of meat that probably means you want to cook it a bit more slowly because at least it'll give it a chance to develop some flavor uh you know and not and you don't have to have meat in every meal that's the other thing too right like there's a lot of different ways to cook stuff learn how to cook chili or cook some stews or make soup i mean making soup takes a while but making soup can be really fun i think it's it's sort of sitting down this is what i'm going to do have a plan put some music on and uh you know pour yourself your favorite drink whatever whatever you want that to be and 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 learn about how the food's all going to work together Wow, you just inspired me. I'm definitely making dinner tomorrow. I'm making something nice tomorrow. I might make a soup. There you go. I might make a soup. There you go. But there yeah, I mean, I've done all the failing, I think. So hopefully, I'll start to get my uh, get some judgment for the in the kitchen. Well, you start learning what the what flavors work, you know, and what the flavors that, what you really want to highlight in the flavor. You know, sometimes, sometimes you know the you need do need a little more salt. You know, salt will bring things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, sometimes you don't need to pile. I mean, cheese is amazing, but you don't need to pile it a high with cheese all the time, you know, because sometimes the cheese overwhelms things or whatever. I mean, you, you get some tests and you figure out what your preferences are. You know, don't, don't, I think it's the hardest thing too about anything in life, right? Like you, you want something to look perfect. You want it to come out perfect the first time. Yep. Uh, but, but the reality is for almost all of us, that's not how it works and uh you know it, it takes a little bit of practice yeah i mean yeah like i mean i'm I'm not great at cooking but i'm really good at breakfast and breakfast is like my specialty like french toast go. i make a really good french toast i like found this recipe and i like know it so well now it's like i put a little like icing sugar on the french toast and like there's nice. cinnamon in the um there's like cinnamon brown sugar like in the actual um like the egg batter that you dip the uh, oh nice the french bread in and man it is it is so nice. good like it's incredible i you know i don't mean to toot my own horn but it's probably the only thing that i can make <laughs> that people are like whoa this hey. is actually really good <laughs> and, and that's it, hey that's an important thing to learn you gotta have especially of some kind because one day you're gonna need to impress somebody with your breakfast yes that's true that's true maybe we'll uh we'll <laughs> have to cook up uh cook up some french toast and then uh pulled pork pancakes for people just uh, go, have a big have a yeah. big feast <laughs> there you go 
<laughs> okay, well, I was timing it. I think we just talked about food for 20 minutes and hockey for 10 minutes. And even then, I don't think we were talking too much about hockey. So, I mean, Drance and I were talking the other day, and we, we talked a little more about hockey, but I said to him, like, when I closed out, I was like, oh, hopefully we're back at the rink soon. Like, hopefully this is all back to normal. And then I was like, but it probably won't be. So if you ever want to yeah. come back and talk about chocolate, that's what we ended up talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but you know what? I guess I'll pose the same question to you. Your uh, top three favorite Canadian chocolate bars, or the, I guess oh not exclusive God. to Canada, but you know, you know the ones I'm talking about. There's like Kit yeah, Kats. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Kit Kats is the one that's on my list, number one. But you, I'll let you I'll go. Coffee Chris. Coffee Chris is my number one. Yeah, that Canadian. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I was joking about it. I was like, I don't actually know. Score is all Canadian, but it, it, it's a it's a bar that's available in Canada. That should be on the list. I'm a big fan of score. Hmm. And I mean, it's not a Canadian one. Cause I know you can get in the U S I'm a huge fan of anything Reese's, mm. but if I have to go with a Canadian bar <laughs> at number three, so I've already, what have I already said? I've said coffee, crisp, um, score and Reese. coffee, Chris. Yeah. I mean, if I have to pick one, that's actually only Canadian. I'm a big, uh, Mars are great. Um, I'm a big fan of Mars. And uh, is Crispy Crunch one of them? Yep, that's an option. Yeah, and I'll go Crispy Crunch. There okay, so th- I think two or three of the ones you said I've actually never had because I'm allergic to nuts and peanuts. Oh so dear! I've never had Score, never had Reese's peanut butter. Well, no, no, I didn't have Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, I had dear. a peanut butter cookie once. That didn't end well. That was that's another story for another podcast. <laughs> oh dear! I'm sorry to hear this. Well, you know what? It's okay. I mean, I like almonds, so that one kind of sucks, but I don't really like the taste of peanut butter, so I don't think I would like... Are you allowed to eat almonds? No, I'm not, which kind of sucks, because oh, okay. I actually like almonds. Oh, okay. But So here's the thing. Oh, okay. I was allergic to hazelnuts like all my life. Like It was all nuts, okay? And then yeah. um, I had this big, uh, big issue with the peanut butter cookie in grade 7, and then after that, uh, I got tested again just to see how everything was doing. And then uh, the doctor that I got tested from was just like, oh, hey, like you didn't, you didn't react to the hazelnuts. I'm like, well, that can't oh, be. Like, nice. let's go for another test. So I did another test. Um, no, I wasn't allergic to hazelnuts. I was. I tested like I was allergic to milk, which is crazy because I drink yeah, milk every everyone day. Everyone does though. I love milk. Everyone gets. Everyone tests allergic to milk. I think basically. Perfect. That's good to know. But anyway, so this hazelnut, <laughs> I was like, oh wow, I'm not allergic to hazelnuts. Okay, let's let's have Nutella because like everybody in my family, you know, big Italian family, everybody sure, loves Nutella. Sure. Yeah, of course. So I was like, okay, let's get some Nutella in here. Loved it for two years, and now, like, I almost can't stand it. Like, I think I just ate it way too much, like, especially when I was first starting out. Like, it was like, I was in, like, you know, going into high school, I was like, oh, man, like, Nutella sandwich, Nutella sandwich, Nutella sandwich for lunch. Like, perfect. There you go. So easy, so quick. Like, yeah, um, so French toast and Nutella sandwiches. That's my specialty in the kitchen. In your your old age, in your old age, you'll come back to Nutella. I bet I will. You're probably right. Oh, you know what? One day you'll wake up and be like, Oh, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And you know what I make is Nutella pancakes. Those are good. Oh, there you go. Throw a little Nutella in the pancakes. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, like yeah, even yeah, as yeah, a yeah, spread yeah. on top of the pancakes you've already made. Like, oh man, <laughs> so good. But if you can work it into the batter, oh man, forget about it. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, well we got 40 minutes here, which is now the longest. Uh, <laughs> this is the longest keeping up with the media episode we've done, and we did not talk about hockey. But I mean, we can close it out we there. We talked a little bit. I mentioned Petey. We did, yeah, we did talk about hockey a little bit. Okay, one thing, you know what, let's close it out with this. This is something I talked to both Murph and Drance about. i got to talk to you about as well. You were involved with the Botchford Project this this season. Yeah. I think that was, like, sure. the first day you and I formally met. 
Um, what did you think of the project as a whole? Like, how did it go from your perspective? And do you have any memorable stories? Like, I know with Jay Patton Drancer, I think they left Stephen Hawko um, upstairs when they ran down to the media room after the game. There was something like that. And then um, on my night, it was like similar. I, I didn't know where they went, but I was like, okay, it's the media room. And then I saw you in the elevator. I'm like, I'm following this guy. I know where, I know he knows where he's going. So I followed you. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it was, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't, let's be, to be clear, I was uh, certainly not in the beginning stages. Um, I wasn't super involved in it, but, uh, um, the, uh, the, the, the project went great. I mean, I made a point, I mean, I think as you experienced every time I was there, um, I made a point, I really thought it was important to, to talk to, you know, each of you, um, to find out what you're about, to get an idea of what you're doing. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a, uh, a really interesting variety of people. Uh, with all, you know, clearly, I, I think on, I, I think everyone had a, a, a. They may not realize it, but I thought everyone had a pretty clear sense of why they were there, uh, of what they were trying to do with their story, um, and that was good. And I, I think that's always an important thing uh, for any any person who fancies themselves a storyteller. You know, you you need to have a clear understanding of you know what you're doing and 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 owning that as much as you can right Mm -hmm. because you know there's there's a great many of us who want to do what we're doing um but the hardest thing is to understand you know, essentially how your own idea can get better and can be better and needs to be better and Mm -hmm. and sort of set yourself aside a little bit. And and I think that was the biggest thing that, uh, that the, um, that all of you showed, uh, and I could, and I immediately always understood why, you know, each of you had been picked. Um, yeah. And I, so I think from that perspective, yeah, I mean, that was good. I, 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 it's, uh, you know, I, I think that was that was I think the thing we all know about about Jason was that he was very clear in what his purpose was, and you know, as Don Taylor put it, uh, you know, he was a fan of Vancouver hockey fans, and he wanted to be their advocate, and uh, you know, was very happy to engage, no matter how you came at him, because I think he believed there was. I mean, there were obviously times maybe when he got carried away with it, but I think I I always felt that he had a strong sense of purpose in whatever debate he was having, whether he actually agreed with the person or didn't, you know, there was a purpose to it. And, um, you know, also just to be brave, you know, that to be the guy that was in the spot that no one else was. And, uh, you know, I mean, I when I wrote my thing about him last summer, I I, I thought about um, the famous New York columnist named Jimmy Breslin, who's who's famous, I think, for uh, finding the sort of angle on the story that no one else had, going where no one else was, and it's certainly, you know, when you're in the dressing room, I think it's so, you know, I think people have this perception that the only interviews that ever happen are the ones that you see on on TV where all the, you know, the scrum where all the cameras are around. 
And the truth of the matter is, is that there's lots of things happening that aren't on screen. And, and those of us you know, who are who are writers, um, you know, we're a little more flexible in how we're able to track down. I mean, the radio guys do get their one-on-ones. And, uh, you know, the TV cameras do occasionally get their one-on-ones, but it's a lot easier for us to sort of detach and find someone else, wait till the scrums lap. You know, that was that was Jason's approach. Um, that is often my approach, but part of the reality of my job does require me to hang around scrums more than perhaps I would like. Uh, you know, certainly, I think people get that sense, I think, from from the likes of, of Drance and from Harmon, that, 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 that they as well are, you know, that instinct. Because you, you're trying to find a different story and try to make yourself separate. And, and I think... Um, I think that it, that uh, that is the lesson I hope all of you guys took from this uh, is that is that you know you were there for a reason, um, and now you got to keep 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 working, you know, keep pushing, keep grinding, keep finding new ways to do stuff, read how other people do things, uh, learn about how other people tell stories, you know, in many ways try to emulate the way they're telling those stories. And, uh, and just make yourself, you know, get up, get up the next day and make yourself better than you were the day before. I know it's cliche, but, you know, it is an ethos. It is something that you need to recognize in yourself um, that, you know, I mean, one of the things I've always driven in my life um, is that, you know, I, I try to remind myself when it comes to, to I, I, I'm not going to say every situation because I know that that's not possible. That you, you're trying when you're in most situations to remind yourself that you don't know shit, hmm. and that you need to find out more about whatever it is is going on in that moment. And so when you're talking to a player, you know, obviously you have a backstory when you're talking to, you know, whether it's Bo Horvat or you're talking to Jacob Markstrom or you're talking to Leas Patterson or you're talking to Antoine Roussel. Like those are there are relationships in each one of those where some of them are better than others, and uh, but it's also understanding the way they relate to not just you personally, but the sort of uh, 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 archetype of the of the journalist um, and the way they respond in certain ways. And I think um, I, I think it's it's recognizing that how that relationship works and what you're trying to get out of that, but at the same time. You know, there's always that hope that, okay, maybe today I am going to get a different answer. Maybe today I'm going to get something that's not expected. Hmm. Um, and, you know, there are certain players you are going to stop doing that with because just at the end of the day, you start to realize, um, you start to realize how they answer questions. And some of that's about a conscious choice on their part. Some of that's about uh, just sort of the way they're wired. And... You know, there's there's not a lot you can do about that. I mean, Drance loves to joke about how how uh, you know Troy Stetcher is the most popular third pairing defenseman in the entire league, but that's because Troy's a smart guy and has interesting things to say, oh, yeah. and he's also willing to say them. You know, and and um, you know there there are other players who um, you know aren't aren't, aren't going to give you that. Um, but you know, you and you or you look at say the evolution of someone like Elias Pettersson, who I think when he first showed up was was 
I think you know he, he's he's a, he's a reasonably shy person. Um, I think he you know was still finding his way in English, um, and he even does it now. He, he wants to articulate himself correctly, and he doesn't want to leave himself open for interpretation. Not just because he's afraid uh, that uh, you know someone's going to. Uh, twist his words, or as he he'll sometimes say to you, "I don't want to make headlines," but but he he also just wants to explain himself properly. I mean, he he he, as I think we know, he's a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And but you know, as he as he's evolved, you know, he's come to know what we're about, who we are, what what we're like. Um, and you know, I, I don't think he's gone out reading our stories and nitpicking any of them, but he's certainly aware. of the conversation and you know he wants you know and you know what we're doing with it and i think that's that's been a you know from my perspective as someone you know he and i are both in the same uh you know evolution in in our careers like this is my second year doing this in a uh, doing a hockey team and this is his second year playing in the nhl and i think you know i think you know i, I think in in similar paths we've both learned a lot about how it works and what's happening and what people respond to and what you might hear frustrations with, you know, if you write certain things, what you might hear frustrations about, and what things, in a certain level, maybe you don't have to worry quite as much about. Anyway, I mean, that's been a long rambling answer about the Botcher Project. <laughs> it, you know, to sum to sum it up, I think you know it was great. I'm, I'm glad it was. I'm glad they did it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously sad that we had to do it at all, but. Uh, you know, I, I hope it's a it's a legacy project that I think has gone well, and I, I hope it continues into the future. Yeah, and I think that's a great place to close out this 46-minute conversation. This is usually how long <laughs> the main show is. This is wonderful. <laughs> that's what you get for calling me up. I ramble. PJ and Quad's cooking show right here. Cooking right, and buddy. hockey. All right. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Uh, honestly, yeah, just take care. Hopefully we're back sooner rather yeah. than later. We yeah. probably won't be, but when I see you, I'll see you. All right. And a huge thank you once again to Patrick Johnson of the province for joining us for the final episode of Keeping Up with the Media. We will be back tomorrow with the main show that is Chris Faber and I. Chris Faber's not on this episode, but as I like to say, for Chris Faber, who's not on this episode, I'm David Quadrelli, and you've been listening to the Canucks Conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 